Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. I am Zach Brittle. I am here with Laura Heck. And uh, oh man, I cannot be more excited about this episode. We are talking today to Heather Haverleski about her new book, Foreverland on the Divine Tedium of Marriage, which comes out today, the day of the podcast release. So um, I will say unapologetically, I think you should own this book. Um, it has quickly become one of my favorite marriage books. I am putting it in the hands of my clients because she does a, an especially good job of bringing new words a new language to some pretty common challenges and also pretty interesting uh, joys of being in a relationship. Um, it's a really refreshing read. I think you will enjoy it. I will, again, unapologetically encourage you to buy it. And if you want to judge for yourself, then uh, listen to the interview. Heather is uh, really cool. We're really glad to have her on. And uh, this is a very cool conversation. Stick around. Zach was like, you need to read this book a month ago. And then I'm texting him last night and I was like, can we just push Heather off so I can finish the book? Uh, Because I started it yesterday. And that's just a product of my personality. Um, But I was so excited. I got a fourth of the way through and I'm like, I really, it is incredibly suspenseful because I literally was like, you drop this little, what do they call that? Like Easter egg or like dangler or whatever, cliffhanger at the very beginning where you're like, but I'll get more to that later. I'm like, but when is later? When am I going to know what happens? Uh, so anywho, I still have three quarters of the book to read, but I am so, so pumped on your writing. It just is so fun to read the way that you write because like uh, I'm fangirling just for a second. Fine with me. For our listeners that are looking for a good book. You're like, go for it, sister. <laughs> I'll just um, sit there. Is that it's entertaining, but you also have like really good information sprinkled throughout where I was like, I wish I'm reading this like version where I can't highlight, which is normally what I would do if I had a paper copy. But there were so many pieces where I wanted to highlight and I just wanted to like have a book club and just hang on like three sentences and just ask other people, what do you think about these three sentences? <laughs> but maybe we should tell people what your book is about. <laughs> We're jumping to it. So the way it happened is I was, uh, we started this fledgling Instagram page mostly out of spite because, um, Zach started this it. Is, I'll fold this into that, but I, I have a book proposal of my own that I put in front of some people and they said, Hey, this sounds amazing. This book's going to be great. I can't sell it. And I was like, why can't you sell it? Well, oh, because you don't have a blue check or you don't have a million Instagram followers or whatever it was. Right. And so I was like, fine. I'm going to start an Instagram page. So I started an Instagram page and I'm trying to, we're chasing this blue check. And then somebody wrote me and she said, I, I, I need to give her credit. I'll go back and find it in the intro. But uh, she showed me your Twitter page and said, Hey, you should check out this book. And I had never heard of Heather, Heather Haverleski. And so I went sort of kind of tracking it down. And you'll probably remember, I, I was like, Hey, it sounds like you want to be interviewed for your book. <laughs> we have one come ahead. And then I told Laura, I said, 24 hours later, you hadn't written me back. But 24 hours later, I had read a bunch of your stuff. And I was like, wait a second, um, hold on. Uh, now I like really want you and I'm begging and I'm really sorry, but I'm like totally chasing you down because I wanted, I was really, really just enamored of the, what you were bringing to the table. And then mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to get my hands on the book, which is called Foreverland. Yeah. Yeah. Foreverland yeah. on the divine tedium of marriage. And, and I love that you were excited to yeah, read it so, instead of repelled. Oh man. I, no, no, no. I was, it's, it, you'll get to know us. I mean, I don't know, whatever we have this, uh, I think we pride ourselves a little bit in being sort of the, maybe the anti-heroes of the marriage therapy space, because we recognize that there's like really challenging and tips and tricks and tactics. They're really great. You ought to have them. 
But what people really need is more language, more vocabulary, more like ways to talk and think about their relationships. And so, again, I don't want to tell you why you wrote the book, but I, but tell me, why did you write the book? Because right. you didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you did. Yeah, why do I do any writing at all? Actually, sometimes I wonder because it's, uh, I mean, with this book, it was really a matter of um, looking around and feeling like I didn't see a lot of depictions of marriage that felt real. Um, and also mm-hmm. reading some books yeah. about people's marriages, some marriage memoirs and feeling like they either um, sort of spiraled into the one individual's experience or they were just a gloss on how marriage feels like everything was sort of idealized and sort of forced into this mm-hmm. happy shape. When in fact there are moments in a marriage, which, you know, that are um, uncomfortable and obviously, and, um, and also there are moments that even if you're absolutely 100% committed, and I mean, I feel like you can be committed, <laughs> you can be committed in your beliefs but it helps to be committed in you the way you feel, obviously. And it also helps, in my opinion, to understand that your life would not be the life you wanted without the person, you know, like to understand mm. like how complete your life is with this specific person in it, which can be a hard thing to notice when you're locked in the same house, just for example, for two years, thanks to a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my impulse with this book, my, my idea with this book was just that even marriages, I mean, I, I feel like I felt before I started writing this book that I had an amazing marriage. And my very arrogant idea was I'll write about the difficulties of marriage in an honest way through the lens of my incredible marriage, (laughs) you know, and it wasn't like I was going to go in and say, (laughs) my marriage is so amazing. You guys, let me show you how to do it. I just thought, if anyone can write a really honest book about how hard mm-hmm. it is to be married, it's me because I'm really mm-hmm. happy and secure in my marriage. And then when I started writing the book, I found myself not questioning my commitment to my husband because I really have a very clear understanding of what he brings to my life and how much I love him. And it's, if anything, it's, I have a lot of fear around something happening to him and having to go on without him. But Mm -hmm. as I questioned, as I started to pick apart, why do we marry people for life? Why do we marry one person? What do, what is the, what is our culture? How does our culture see marriage and how, what does our culture expect of us within the bounds of marriage? As I started to look at all these things, I started to dislike a lot of it. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I sort of started to feel angry at the, the, ways that I had all these unrealistic ideals and fantasies around marriage. I had all kinds of expectations of who I should be serene and perfect, like a bride throughout my entire marriage. Um, I, I began eventually to question why it is strange to be attracted to other people and why it's weird to talk about that. I mean, it's understandable that you wouldn't run around talking about your attraction to other people, but it's also just, a piece in some ways of the safety of a good marriage is that you have the freedom to talk Mm -hmm. about that um, because you both feel, you don't feel threatened by it. We've talked about that on the podcast where in like a secure relationship, like do you, do you talk about people that you see on the street and say like, wow, that those are amazing legs and, you know, say that to your partner and then you ooh and awe ah over this like beautiful set of legs or like meeting somebody for the first time and saying, I had such a connection. They brought so much to this conversation. It was really incredible. I found myself very attracted to them and not feeling threatened in that conversation with your partner of feeling attracted to another human being. We're not dead. Our receptors are still out there. They're still perceiving like connection with other people. Yeah. And you forget that. I mean, especially for me around schools and kids and other parents, you kind of, there's a way that you encounter other parents as just like obstacles in your path. I mean, of the, for me, it's like dads. I'm just like, oh, there's a dad. Get get out of my way, dad. You know, just, I mean, just, you know, kind of a bad kind of a nasty way of viewing the world, but there are just days when you're dealing with your kids and you're like, I talk to the women and some of the dads are kind of fun, but like, you know, I know that I'm invisible to them. They're invisible to me. And then you go to kind of a Mm -hmm. new setting 
where you feel like your old self, where you don't just feel like one of the moms on the schoolyard. And it's hard not to say, mm-hmm. oh, I forgot. I can't believe mm-hmm. that I'm getting a reaction from someone in the real world who seems attracted to me. Mm-hmm. Like, this is thrilling. I didn't even know that I was. Mm-hmm. And, and you have all these angry feelings at yourself. Like, I didn't know I, I would get such a charge out of this. You know, just mm-hmm. maybe I felt invisible for too long, but I'm surprised and a little bit mad at myself for needing mm-hmm. this attention, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are all these things that over the course of marriage, you just, I mean, it's very easy to have periods in a marriage where you withdraw for a while and you, you don't Mm -hmm. have as much of a connection. There are times when you have to break through all these walls in order to be vulnerable and connect again. There are times Mm -hmm. when you're just bickering a lot because you're just in some debate mode, even if you're generous with each other generally you just encounter each other as like, what? Why did you do that? What? You're doing it. Like everything is like an an insult to your senses because you just want control back of your environment. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just, you know, they're different. The phases of your marriage. I'm going to quote you here for a second because I think you're beginning to talk about this. I highlighted it for myself. You guys are, uh, this is earlier. This is about a third of the way in the book. I don't know. But you are talking about um, the energy of your conflict. And it says, you say, um, when the defensive, uh, when the defensive just relax energy meets a murderous, you don't get it energy, rage, you're in trouble. And it's like that we talk about that all, all the time, but it's just in that sentence right there, it doesn't even matter what you're talking about. It doesn't matter if you're talking about laundry. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the guy, you know, the crush that you have on the sideline of the soccer field. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the travel plans you're trying to make. It's when that energy meets that energy all of a sudden it creates this whole other context for trouble that um, I think you do a great job of sort of manifesting all along. I'll sell this book all day long and I want to talk about all the reasons I think people should buy it. But I also want to hear you talk about this piece piece in just a second, which is Bill, your husband, I generate a ton of empathy for Bill because I I get him. I'm sort of like him. I understand all that defensive stuff. And you have a ton of affection and security there. And you have this whole section where you talk about hating your spouse can you like, um, can you articulate that a little bit more clearly? Because I think people need the freedom to both love and hate their spouse. But I know that you're not talking about hate in its purest form. When I began writing the book, I, I, I felt that I needed to um, attack sort of the, the ambivalence that comes up during marriage full, you know, directly. So I wanted to look it right in the face. And, and, and as I was writing uh, the chapter about falling in love, I started to talk about how there's, what is passion? Passion is sort of, if you think of romantic comedies, you have two people who drive each other crazy and then they finally get together at the end. And so I started to think like passion is made of love and hate together. There's something aggravating Mm -hmm. and particularly Enervating about the person you fall in love with. I don't think there are, there are people who you just think are great who you'd never dream of sleeping with or falling in love with, and then there are people who just you might not even like that you want to sleep with. Which I mean, maybe <laughs> I'm just talking about a very dysfunctional self that I have, but I don't think so. I think that <laughs> when I started to tangle with these ideas, I sort of came up with this this. Uh, this sort of cohesive notion that you can't feel passion without a little edge of, oh, you, why, why, why do you make the decisions you make? And so when I came to the chapter about anger, um, so, so that was more like tangling with the idea of hatred on an, uh, in, a, in an intellectual format, let's say. And then when I came mm-hmm. to the chapter about anger, the, the question, do I hate my husband, was really just a joke. I mean, I had just written that I didn't, you know, he was in the way. I experienced him as a pile of laundry. Sometimes he looked like a hero. Other times he looked like a pain, pain in the ass who was standing an obstacle to something I was trying to get or he was messing something up. And so, and I talk a lot about, I mean, I wrote the part about his sneezes and throat clearing and sounds that he makes when he had a cold and I remember just laughing 
because every few seconds was interrupted by, you know, his shout, sneeze. By the way, as I was reading it, I remember laughing because he was like, I was wanted to hear what you had to say. And you're like, he just coughed again. Uh, He just cleared his throat again. And I'm like, could you stop? Could you just tell me the thing? It's a little aggravating. Um, that, that chapter is slightly aggravated. I had to take out some of the aggravation, but some of it is still there. But essentially when I came to the, do you, do I hate my husband? It was just the funniest answer was yes, definitely. For sure. Absolutely. I hate him. I mean, it just, I just needed mm-hmm. that beat to be, yeah. I needed to not stray away from that. Yeah. The idea that it was possible to sometimes feel rage at someone who you love like crazy hatred you know if you take that line out of context you know or just don't understand how you can land in this place you know sure it sounds like i'm saying my husband is the worst at the absolute worst which is not true um but as i said (laughs) i just wrote something where i said you know i didn't write a novel i wrote a nonfiction. So my husband is annoying, which is a fact. So I had to include that fact in my story mm-hmm. because it's an important fact mm-hmm. that I don't want to skip over. Now I'm annoying. That's more beyond clear throughout the book, how annoying I am. If anything, yeah. I, I erred in the direction of too much information about how annoying I am. Um, but I do think that accepting that you can feel rage within the context of someone who's a few feet away from you you know, most of the day in our current circumstances, in some cases, Mm -hmm. um, I, that's just, it's, it's absolutely obscene to believe that you are to expect yourself that you'd never feel anger at someone who you are supposed to stay with until you're dead. I mean, it's the, the structure is such that, you know, there's no way not to experience uh, the relationship as trapped at some times, you know, you can choose it every morning and still have moments of, Oh God, this again, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. there's a, there's just everything in the human experience is packed into a marriage and then reflected in a marriage. Yeah. I I will make clear that, um, anyone who may be listening to this and going, wow, she's kind of, she's kind of down on her husband and full of herself. Like, yeah, you do a a, a really terrific job of what we would call self-deprecating and just sort of saying, Hey, part of what makes marriage hard is my own humanity. And part of what makes it hard for my marriage hard is me, me, not just the circumstances that I have. I I do, I do again, the, one of the things that I found very, very refreshing, and I don't think I knew it was going to be refreshing until it happened was that it does creep right up onto the pandemic. Like you come right up to, you know, March, April, May, June of that, that year. And I was just like, Oh, so all these marriage books that we're reading, they all sort of exist in this sort of before time. Uh-huh. And then here comes one that's actually like right, right here in the stuff that we're, I mean, we're dealing with every single day, which is, yeah, I've been with you now for two whole years and yeah, I love you, but also ugh, you, <laughs> like, I can't believe it's you still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was Heather, when, as you're writing this, I guess part of my question is like, one was, why are you writing this? Two is, what's what are people going to get out of this? Because I know what I... You just use the word like refreshing. Um, having it be transparent, having it be like vulnerable and authentic. And like all of that was very helpful for me. But I'm just kind of wondering like, who's your audience? What are you hoping people get out of reading this book? I think my audience is anyone and everyone, including married, single, straight, queer, gay all of the things. Um, I think that what the book is about essentially is trying to forgive yourself for being a human being and trying to, (laughs) you know, which we don't do well as a society. Um, Mm -hmm. and trying not to hold yourself to standards that are unrealistic because it's very difficult to get along with other people when you're holding yourself to unrealistic standards. I mean, it comes the blowback from that, I mean, part of feeling anger, I think, at a spouse sometimes is just anger at yourself for feeling anger. You know, you don't know what he wants mm-hmm. to feel angry at another person. Um, part of being uh, with someone for a long time is just feeling embarrassed by how disgusting and, and boring and weird and weak and moody you are. You know, I mean, we're mm-hmm. all 
we're all, uh, we all surprise ourselves. I think particularly over the years, there's a feeling when you're in your twenties that you're going to just get better and stay there and it'll be awesome. You know, like you're going to solve all these crazy problems. You're going to have a career that works. And when you get everything that you want, you know, you're just going to be amazing and winning and nothing's going to bother you. And actually when you, I mean, I think that's why the, a lot of people who reached out to me and said, when my book was the anger chapter was excerpted in the New York times, um, right before Christmas, or actually it was a Sunday right after Christmas. And a lot of people reached out to me. I mean, some people were mad that I said, I hated my husband. Many people were mad actually, but a lot of people reached out to me and said, that they found it comforting to read a very honest account uh, that was obviously buoyed by the love that I feel for my husband. That was just to them, it felt clear that it was about the, that the piece was about self-acceptance and mutual acceptance Mm -hmm. and forgiveness. And so, I mean, and, and if it, it didn't, I'm, I'm open to the idea that I didn't hit the mark exactly or overshot the mark, which is a very common thing that happens with my writing because I love extreme words and exaggeration and Mm -hmm. fun and humor. And also the, the, I mean, to be fair, the emotional momentum of the book was the most important piece of it. Stylistically, I wanted you to pick up the book, engage with the ideas in the first chapter, and then be on a rushing river of each chapter feels like a dramatic, there's dramatic forward motion. And it also just, you understand the bewilderment of each stage of a marriage. So let's see, where am I? Oh, what did I want people to get out of the book? I mean, you know, I wanted, I I really wanted to share how, you know, 15 years down the road, I look back and I have empathy for myself at times for things that I didn't have empathy at the time, I just felt disappointed in myself. And so when I look back, I feel like I want to share this empathy with other people so they don't feel as confused by their reactions to these life experiences that we expect to be unconflicted and, and not ambivalent at all and not complicated Mm -hmm. at all. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's kind of fun. You almost like establish like a new benchmark. Like we have this really fairy tale romanticized benchmark that we are trying to live up to when it comes to being in relationship, being in long term relationships that are committed. And you sort of establish this new benchmark of like, hey, here's the benchmark that we've all been trying to hit. Here's what the real benchmark looks like. And so everybody can kind of just take a breath, which I think we need right now, to be perfectly honest, at this point um, of just like the last two years of trauma that we've been going through of recognizing that what we've been trying to reach is... I mean, it's unattainable and it's also bullshit. And realistically, it's like the good enough marriage is what we're looking for. And there's going to be times where you're frustrated, you're irritable, you're angry at your partner, you're shameful for your reactions. And that's a part of being human and that's your life and that's the benchmark and you're all crushing it. Everybody, if you felt shame, if you felt anger, you are crushing it. And it's sort of, I don't know, I felt I had this image of you being the mom at the park that hands me like a hot chocolate with whiskey in it and looks at me and says, you're doing a fucking great job, sister. And that, and I was like, I kind of felt like, okay, I'm doing it. Like, this is all normal. This is expected. I love it. We can be best friends. (laughs) I got to go fix that hot chocolate right now. You know that Zach and I are huge fans of getting support, and that is why we have partnered with BetterHelp to put you in contact with licensed professional counselors in your area. Tap into the world's largest network of licensed, accredited, and experienced counselors who can help you with a range of issues, including depression, anxiety, trauma, grief, relationships, and more. With BetterHelp's counselors, you get the same professionalism and quality that you would expect from an in-office counselor. With the ability 
ability to communicate when and how you want, whether it be messaging through the phone or video conferencing. The matching process is quick, but thorough. Look, I know that a lot of therapists are booked out and difficult to get into, but don't let that stop you from getting the support that you need. The cost is less than half of what Zach and I charge, which is kind of unheard of. And when you register with BetterHelp, you are supporting Marriage Therapy Radio. Go to trybetterhelp.com MTR. So it's trybetterhelp.com forward slash MTR to register with BetterHelp. T-R-Y-B-E-T-T-E-R help H-E-L-P.com forward slash MTR. And you receive a special discount as a Marriage Therapy Radio listener. I have a kind of a technical question as you were just thinking about it. But you you sat down to write the book and of course you're writing about 15 years ago. You're writing in you're writing now about 15 years ago. You're not writing 15 years ago about 15 years ago. Yeah. It's not like you cobbled this book together over a couple of decades. It's more like you sat down and said, "Hey, I'm going to kind of do this um and see if I can tell this story." The the other piece that it, so that's the answer to my question because I think as you noted, it's a nonfiction book. It has a ton of cliffhangers and drama and sort of um, sort of the rushing river feel to it. But what I love is it doesn't have like drama for drama's sake, mm-hmm. right? You keep teasing this event or this conflict or this sort of major thing. And I, and I know that in real time, they all feel major on film. They don't, but on film, they'd be like, Oh, that that's okay. Well that, but I think that's part of what we get deluded about sometimes because these little things do feel really, really big to us in the moment but we don't need to make them, but we can deal with that, that reality. It doesn't have to be this big headline grabbing thing. Cause I kept waiting for this massive shoe to drop and it was just lots of little shoes kind of day <laughs> over reality. day kind of walk, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, so I think, I think there's something refreshing about that. I have a very specific client in mind that I, as I was reading it, I was like, I want you to read this book, but sorry, you can't, you can't read it till February, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and because she was like, why? And I was like, because this lady, this lady, Heather, Heather is trying to do really well what you're having a really hard time doing, which is looking at your day to day, sort of one foot in front of the other lifetime and make it mean something other than this is all terrible all the time. Mm. In particular, it was kind of the, the beginning stories around your, um, uh, around your sort of labor birth birthing experiences and having the new baby and all that stuff. It was, I was like that, this woman needs that chapter. (laughs) So yeah, I'll I'll make sure she gets it. That's, I have a question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. Um, you met, you met Bill when you were 35. Yeah, I was 34 when we met and then, um, yeah. And then we got married right before I turned 36. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And any previous marriages? I no. Forgive me if this is in the book, but I only no. got a fourth of the way. I love that because I find that so much literature out there is talking about folks that have gotten together, you know, sort of in their early 20s. Uh-huh. And it's really cool to have a book represent um, where I think we're headed, at least, you know, on the coast, I find on the East coast and the West coast, a lot of folks are getting married in their mid to late thirties and then having children much later Mm -hmm. and not having children through sort of like the conventional P and the V uh, way. But like, it's just, it's just really cool that you started your story at 35. Yeah. Actually, it would love like a prequel. Do we get like, if there, if you get another book uh, opportunity, will you write like the before 35? Cause that's, I'm interested in hearing about all the stoners you dated. Oh my God. I, my, um, <laughs> my first book is a memoir about my childhood and it, it includes some, a little bit of, I mean, it would be fun to do a dating memoir actually of my bad dating mm-hmm. years. I mean, I feel sorry yes. for my exes. Uh, I've written a little bit about a few exes in different books, but, um, but yeah, I had a, I kind of had a run there where I, uh, dated a few different men for two years each. And the first mm-hmm. year was dreamy, but I was still playing a chill girl for the full year. And then I got mm-hmm. tired of them because I wasn't expressing my needs about a year in. And then mm-hmm. the second year is just aggravation. And, you know, like, and, and the way that I was, I, I wanted, I have this essay 
Where is that? I don't know. I've, I've been writing since I was 25 and I'm 51 now. So I have a lot of mm-hmm. I've written about everything, sadly. Um, but, you know, when you're a professional writer, you're just it's just like, keep writing. What else can you write? What else can you write? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I wrote about how I wanted to marry. This is in my first memoir, actually. Um, I wanted to marry every single guy I dated for about a decade. Um, and it didn't matter if they were good marriage material. It didn't matter if we got along. I was just like, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to get married. I had this experience where my um, my dad was dating this woman who uh, sat me down and said, you should just marry one of the guys that you're dating right now in college because once you get to be my age, you'll never find a man. It's terrible. The choices are so limited. And she, she was like 32. Whoa. This woman dating your dad. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Here I am dating your dad. Imagine having to date your dad. He's awful. <laughs> uh, and my dad was a womanizer. So I understood at that time what she meant. Um, but I was, I lived in fear of, you know, the musical chairs, the musical end, and there'll be no men left. I mean, yeah. it's crazy regressive mindset around marriage, which is nuts to me now. I mean, I was a feminist. I was enlightened. I was educated. I knew people who didn't think the way I thought at all. Um, But I think that probably that attitude fed into some of my experiences of marriage because I was just like, this is what solves your life, kind of. Uh, Mm -hmm. And in Mm -hmm. some ways, I mean, I I don't want to back off from the emotional ways that it does solve your life because, or solve some of your emotional insecurities because it feels so good. I mean, if anything, I worry that this book doesn't have enough content. You know, I love writing the dramatic story and Mm -hmm. the ways that Bill has made me a better person are just, the list is too long. And it's almost like I should probably write that essay. You know, I'm more attracted to darkness than you know, thoroughly. That's why we liked it. Yeah. We like your story. I don't know. I mean, I think, (laughs) I think you, I think you do a great job, particularly as you kind of are landing the the book of sort of saying, Hey, let me, let me tell you about how great Bill is and what Bill is about. The the thing I think the challenge I would give to certainly our listeners and perhaps your readers is you have to read it thoughtfully. You can't, I mean, you have to read it and look for the places that are, where the lessons are. Mm-hmm. If you were to start to sort of be more, um, you know, sort of forward facing with, here's the thing I hope you take away with this. I actually think it would diminish it quite a bit because there's, there's plenty that's tucked in there that people, I think, I think again, people need the experience of going, Oh, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need the experience of saying, Hey, here's how you do this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, people, well, there's so plenty true. of that out yeah, there. That's absolutely know? true. I didn't want it to be prescriptive. I mean, I write an advice column. I don't even really want my advice column to be prescriptive a lot of the time. You know, I mean, I get bored with that kind of writing. And I think that, Mm -hmm. I think we need it. I think we need to know how to do things, particularly now I need it. But I feel like you can, you can, like you said, sharing your experience and forgiving yourself in public is a way of giving people something, you know? It's also just, I just really wanted to capture how conflicted it is natural to be when you're out in the world and when you're dealing with um, your, I don't know. Yeah, I have a line in the book that's sort of like, um, I think I say, marriage grinds your face into the dirt until you can see new colors and taste new flavors. (laughs) And I mean, that's how it's felt to me. Even in the process of writing the book, there was a point in writing the book where I thought, are we really as connected as we pretend to be? And I sort of accused Bill of not showing up enough in our marriage. And he was like, I'm sitting here, you know, you've been talking for 10 minutes and I'm just sitting here looking at you and listening. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think I'm not showing up. That's hilarious. And I was like, oh, and I had to look at myself and say, wow, I'm the one who's escaping, you know, during this pandemic experience. I'm kind of escaping into fantasy in my head during the day because I'm alone in front of my screen. We all are alone in front of our laptops all day, including the kids. Mm -hmm. And you need some place to go. I mean, there was a time when no one was even leaving the house really, except to walk the dogs. It was, it was fabulous. I loved every minute of it. (laughs) 
I remember a meme that was like, check on your extroverts. They're not okay. Introverts are living their best life. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. we check are. On your <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I, I, it's, it's almost like, um, I know why I want to write my book. And then I keep going. And, and then as I was reading this, I kept going, I don't need to like the book exists. It's right here. Um, and I just, no, I don't mean that to blow smoke. Cause what I, because what I really, really appreciate is that there's just an opportunity to think differently about this. And I, I, by the time I got to the end of the book, and this is, please don't let this sound patronizing. I was list, I was reading the part where you, you pull uh, bill into the bedroom and you say, Hey, can you come over here and talk to me for a second? And do you, do you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? I don't want to yeah. spoil it for everybody. Yeah. But I, but I was like, I'm so proud of you. Like, I was just so proud that you were able to sit down and say th this, this thing that I need him to hear. And then of course I was proud of him for the way that he was like, all right, we, we got this. But it was like, we need to appreciate that, that like, you can, you can do it. You can do it. Like, and, um, so that was, um, that was my experience. And I don't, I, I don't think I cried, but I was sort of like, <laughs> oh, oh. So, um, anyway. Well, I mean that, that moment, uh, someone else brought that moment up to me. I think it's sort of memorable because it's like, uh, you, I didn't have anything to say to him. I didn't have something that I was angry at him about necessarily. And I could, because I felt so disarmed and, it was the middle of the pandemic and there was just noise. There were dirty dishes everywhere. And I suddenly just started, I was, what was it? It was the, it was the legend of Zelda and people talking about legends of Zelda yeah, yeah. at the same time. Coaching each other like, on legends like, of Zelda. Oh and then that, God. and Bill had made dinner for like three nights in a row and it was my turn. And I had just been, I was making the transition to, okay, now I'm going to cook. And I looked around, it was just dishes and noise and, I had just started taking this drug that was making me extremely hormonal and crazy. And I just fell to my knees. I just remember like, I can't, like, I can't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I can't function. Um, and I mean, it was interesting to me that I was able to, I mean, I think that's trust. It's a, it's a, it's a um, manifestation of my, how much I trust my husband, even though we obviously make each other defensive at different times. And you can see that in the book and we still do that. Um, there's a way that when you say to someone, I can't like, I need you to just be with me for a second and hear these words. I can't function. Like I can't, I'm going to mm -hmm. yell and break things and, and fuck shit up in a second. And I don't want to do that. I want you to help me not do that here right now. You know, like I just, I could, I won't forgive myself for doing that right now, you know, but I, but I also can't do anything. If we could teach our clients how to do that all day long, it would just be like so much would just, I don't want to say melt away, but so much would become easier. The path becomes so much straighter. Part of it is that you can just learn how to, it's, yeah. it's the physical feeling, right. Of your mind. If you come from a, a if you had a semi-traumatic childhood in particular, or if you just were in a household where people didn't model talking calmly to each other about the things they wanted, mm -hmm. you know, which is a lot of us. Um, people only told each other the truth when they were angry in my house, actually. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Even though, you know, I love my family. Uh, I love my parents, but that's just how it worked. You weren't supposed to be that open about what you were feeling unless you were pushed to the brink and then, you just mm -hmm. made messes and that was like everywhere. permission, permission to yeah. like let it out at that point. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's true. I'm with you, Zach, where I'm just imagining this moment where people feel like they're at their breaking point. And if, uh, you know, the goal is if you could like what you modeled, um, use your words and express like I'm now at my breaking point and I'm looking to you to help bring me to a place where I can function or give me permission to be at my breaking point, but I don't need to throw objects to get there. I just need you to recognize that like, I'm going to go put the covers over my head and I'm probably going to sleep for three days and that's, what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know if that's what happened. I have to get to that part of the book. <laughs> I'm so excited. Well, you did. A, a, there's another version of that very same interaction at the, at the front where you, where, um, and again, I won't spoil it, but you, you come home from wherever you're at and Bill is 
what is he washing dishes with the baby, like kind of dangling over the sink? He's, like he's play, sort of he's holding making, her like a football, uh, it seems like. He was making mac and cheese or something with boiling water or yeah. soup or something. And he was holding the baby. And you're like, that's my liver. Or that's my, what it was. I forget what it was like that. You're holding my, my body part over top of this thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, that that's yeah. this client that I'm thinking about specifically. I'm like, you need to read this chapter right here so that you can tell your husband exactly what's on your mind in a way that's not rational or reasonable. It's just true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Owning you that, know? owning the things that are true for your, for you emotionally. I mean, I find as someone who I, you know, people don't really love it when you say, some people don't love it when you say this emotion is irrational. And I know that because they're sort of like all emotions, you know, why would you put irrational in there? I think sometimes as a woman talking to a man, though, it's helpful to say, I understand that you see some of the things that I experience as irrational and you want to talk me into the logic of not being the person I am with an engine Mm -hmm. that runs very, you know, revs very high and is combustible uh, and changes and is moody and changes a lot. Um, And when I was pregnant, I think I said, I felt like a nuclear reactor, like I just... I had all this creative energy sort of and productive generative energy and so many ideas, but I also felt like I was going to blow over and spew toxic waste everywhere. Um, (laughs) But if you, I mean, I find it helpful in talking to Bill to kind of paint a portrait of the madness that lives inside of me so that I don't have to take take that out on him. And so that he Mm -hmm. doesn't have to expect me to be something as controlled as contained as he is because we're not the same kind of animal at all. And actually I think as we've been married for longer and longer, we sort of see each other as the same kind of animal now because he's more, much more expressive and tells me more about his emotional experience. And I'm more accepting of that emotional experience, which I think at the beginning of our relationship, I wasn't as accepting of it. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, just through conversation and through, you know, painting these pictures of what's going on inside of you, you gain this trust where you can actually say, whoa, like you can recognize situations where you're like, oh, this is like the perfect storm. We're not gonna solve this or feel okay. You know, like we, when you really disagree, Bill and I agree about most things, actually, um, Mm -hmm. when you disagree and you're both being triggered in your childhood ways at the same time. That's just like top level danger. You know, (laughs) there's going to be a meltdown. Exactly. Um, Similar to that, relax, you know, you know, why don't you just relax? I'm losing it kind of duality that we talked about earlier. But when you disagree, when you're just like, wow, we don't agree about this at all. We complete, we're on complete opposite sides of this. And you're both charged up about it. You have to recognize that and say, I mean, there are times when it's just funny where you have to say this, like, whoa, weird. This is going to be bad. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Let's not. We can't Mm -hmm. be angry and talk about this. We actually can only Mm -hmm. talk about this thing that we absolutely disagree about when we're really calm. And all we can do is work around this thing that we've decided we're just not not There's really no, nothing about. to solve. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to solve. And I mean, when you talk about things and then you talk and then you're sort of like, Oh, Oh, actually we do have some similarities in how we see mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not as far apart as we thought we were. Or there's always something you both want, even if it's just a good night's sleep. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> there's, that's true. There's, or you that's just want simple, the conversation but true. to go away. Or you want your partner to be in pain. Yeah, that's true. You can always find a commonality. I just want you to hurt. Well, that's so funny. I also want you to hurt right now. Maybe we should not be having this conversation. Uh, Did you know, I don't even know if we like made this clear. So Zach and I, I mean, our podcast is Marriage Therapy Radio, but we're both couples therapists um, that are on the West Coast. And uh, so, so much of what I appreciated about your book is this narrative that is your real story of what you're going through with these nuggets of wisdom, where I was like, 
this chick's like got a therapist background. She knows what's up. There was so much like, I don't know if you researched this, these things, but literally there was like bits and pieces where I literally was like, that's John Gottman's work. Oh, that's Terry Reel's work. Oh, and these are all like famous, you know, therapists and researchers, mm-hmm. um, which was fun because I was entertained, but I was also enlightened. And then I was also validated. And I kind of was just like, hmm, I like this. This is, this is fun. It doesn't feel like a, a workbook for me. Oh, that's cool. It's, I, yeah. I was a psychology major, but I don't, I, I'm not a, I don't have a, an MFT, obviously. And I'm, this isn't your jam. You don't read the books. Not at all. I, mean, I, I, read, I used fun. to read. <laughs> I used to read New Age books. I really resist reading. I have the power of attachment right now. I'm just sitting on my desk. I resist reading. Um, I don't know. It's it's messed up because I've been writing advice for um a long time and almost ten years, and it's sort of. I'm so paranoid about not becoming guru like that. I just don't want to boil things down. I want to talk about the lived experience of them instead. Yeah. I mean, I know that I, when I read, even though, um, when I read things like the power of attachment, I think I read about a chapter and said, Whoa, this sums up everything. I'm going to study this. And then I didn't, didn't finish mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I, you know, there are so many great sources out there and people ask me for sources all the time and I don't have them, but I also just kind of love to reinvent the wheel constantly. <laughs> If that makes sense, like it's kind of like when you go into a therapy session, probably, and you kind of want to experience, you don't want to just reduce people to, oh, this is classic. Like they have so much contempt in their relationship, I think is a gotten thing, right? right? Um, yeah. Where you don't want to say, on the other hand, I mean, and the thing is, on the other hand, yeah, that's like a useful thing to see a couple that has a lot mm. of contempt is to to know, I mean, I've been there in other relationships, mm-hmm. to know that what the, what, what the um, overall mood of a relationship is, what the essential misunderstanding of the relationship is Um, with contempt. It's like, you're not doing, you know, there's this pervasive feeling of you don't give generously to me. You're not on my side. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I've never had that feeling with my husband, but I think, I don't know. I, I really, what you see when you see different theorists and, ideas in my mm-hmm. stuff is just a hyper vigilant focus on these things for the course of my life. Thanks to mm-hmm. growing up the way I did really. And just being a sensitive kid. I mean, I would not trace it to psychology even because, you know, college psychology is a bunch of lists. Mm-hmm. And it's different. <laughs> what is know? the, what is your first memoir? What's the name of it? Uh, it's called disaster preparedness. Speaking of hypervigilance, <laughs> so it's about no how kidding. when I was, I grew up in the seventies and, um, I had a, an escape route for every potential disaster. I had like a plan. Huh. If the meteor fell on the house, this is what I'm going to do. Um, good for you. Well, seems like a good use of time. <laughs> I was a strange child. That's <laughs> part of, part of it. Uh, Zach, I'm looking at the time. Uh, we're at yeah. where we generally we're there. have like itty bitty <laughs> short, but we're trying to milk this, milk you for all we can. <laughs> um, but I'm also aware that appreciative of your time. Um, okay. So you mentioned Twitter, but is that the best place to reach you when you're online? Like, do you have an Instagram? What do you like to do? How do you like to I spend time on Twitter the most probably. Okay. Um, cool. I shouldn't because it's a time sink. Uh, I, I spend some time on Instagram, but it's a little bit less. I'd say Twitter is more my kind of professional. What's your handle? At Haverleski. It's at, at H Haverleski is my Twitter. At H Haverleski. Yeah. When and is the book coming out? Foreverland. The book comes out on February 8th. I think it's a really good book to read from start to finish. I want to say that because all my other books are essays and I feel like this book, you want to just read it chronologically. Um, Yeah. And I think it's a good wild ride. I mean, people are enjoying it so far. They seem to like it. Um, Mm -hmm. I, uh, I have, (laughs) I'm trying to think, Oh, ask Polly is a newsletter that you can find on Substack. Uh, it's ask Polly. I, I have, I get asked Polly. Oh, okay. Ask Polly comes to me. Okay. Whenever, so, you know, you know about ask Polly. 
askpolly.substack.com is another thing that I'd like to mention because I'm having a lot more fun with it. I wrote Ask Polly for New York Magazine for years, and then I turned it into a Substack partially so I could just make it insane and weird and aggressive and fun. And so it's kind of finally starting to become what I wanted to become. I do interviews. And today I wrote a piece about um, accepting all of your multiple personalities and how you switch code switch from one personality to another under different kinds of conditions and forgiving yourself Mm -hmm. for having personalities that are so extreme and overshoot the mark. Like one of my personalities is something like helpful, compassionate, Compassionate help, helper, helper lady is one of them. And then another one is just Java, who uh, sits in the same place and eats snacks and doesn't talk to anyone, mm-hmm. laughs at people. Um, and, you know, uh, <laughs> so that's just one example. It's a, it's a colorful place and the discussions are great. Um, yeah. It's true. It's, a, it's got a very active and, and lovable readership, smart readership. And that's all. I don't have that much to promote. I wish I had a little pocket handheld device or some kind of a a nft (laughs) (laughs) i'm not much of an entrepreneur obviously if you reach out you're paying attention to your dms because zach was able to hunt you down and stalk you um online so if people really really want and i think that they should find a picture of your face to see how much of a doppelganger you are to the twilight mom whatever her name is that is that is also a thing yeah and my oh and my husband looks like john ham i should have mentioned that as well (gasps) no he doesn't yeah a lot like John oh, Hamm. I bet in you fact, guys so did. much like John Ham that people were confused and thought I was literally married. I said I'm married to John Ham, and then put a picture of him, and a bunch of people were like, uh-huh. "Holy shit! I didn't know she was okay. married to John Ham." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. But his name is Bill. Yes, his name is Bill. Well, I'm really glad that you responded to my message and that you came on. I'm really excited about your book because I think people ought to have it in their hands and ought to have it on their bookshelves. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it so much. And I really enjoyed talking to both of you. And now I just feel like I need to have like a Zoom with two therapists uh, once a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? We can arrange be that. really nice. That's true. That's true. All right, say your thing, Laura, because we got to go. All right, let's land this plane. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. We were super excited to have Heather on our podcast. Um, It's Heather Haverleski. If you are looking for her writings, she had mentioned that she's been writing since she was, what, 25 years old. So she has about 25 years worth of writings out there and short stories. Um, Her first book, Disaster Preparedness, you better believe I'm going to go check that out and see like how she got to this place. Now she's writing about Foreverland. Foreverland comes out February 8th and she also has Ask Polly. Um, as a a resource that you can check her out. Find her on Twitter, find her on Instagram. We're just a huge fan of Heather. Thank you for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.